Welcome to Lifelines Radio, a production of the Pennsylvania Pro-Life Federation. I'm your host, Maria Gallagher, Legislative Director of the Federation. With me today is Sitlaleen Osio. Welcome, Sitlaleen. Hi, Maria. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's so good to have you with us today. Now, tell me, what led you to fiction writing? Um, I think it's two things. One is all the stories I consumed growing up, especially fantasy stories. Those were my favorites, and they opened my imagination to new possibilities. So whether it was books, video games, TV, I was always drawn to characters, the problems they faced, the worlds they lived in, and the adventures they went on. And if I had to pick one specific story that was the most influential and inspiring, I'd say it was the video game series, The Legend of Zelda. I loved everything about it, the world, the history, characters, storyline, and even the music. And growing up, I just found myself creating my own versions of the stories that inspired me. And I just thought it was so cool seeing a blank page evolve into a whole world and cast of characters. And I just never stopped creating. Even if I wasn't actively writing, ideas kept coming and I jot them down on notes and Word documents. And the second reason is I believe God called me to write fiction. I heard a great talk at the Catholic Writers Conference online back in February about writing being a charism, and it echoed so much of what I'd felt with writing and creating stories my whole life, um, especially after deciding to take it seriously, and later when I embraced the title of a Catholic author. It's really exciting to be a co-creator with our Lord and work with Him in such a special way. That's remarkable. Now tell us about the genre of fiction that you specialize in. Oh, I live and breathe fantasy. Um, As I mentioned, it's what most inspired me growing up and what I most enjoy reading and watching to this day. It's just a lot of fun because there are almost no limits to what you can create, and it's really cool to piece together all the different elements you come up with into a functioning world or system with its own history and diverse set of characters, um, fauna and flora, you know, animals, monsters, whatever, Um, like weather even. It's just really cool. And it provides a lot of possibilities. And I think because it does explore so many imaginative wonders, it's also a great genre to explore um, real world issues like abortion or the death penalty, for example, without being too direct or abrasive. So would an example of fantasy writing be something like Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia, or, or am I off base in, in thinking that? Oh, no, that is that is classified as fantasy, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. A good one, too. <laughs> okay, that might be something that a lot of people are familiar with. Yes, that, Lord of the Rings, um, yes. Mm-hmm. Why do you explore pro-life themes in your writing? That's a great question, and while there's many reasons, I'd say the main one is that 
I'd like to bring a bit more hope and compassion to the world by sharing my beliefs through a medium that provokes empathy through the imagination. Because stories broaden people's perspectives. They put readers into someone else's shoes and make them empathize with characters unlike them. And I, I think stories can help us heal as well and find hope in darkness. And in the end, that's what I really hope my stories accomplish. My end goal is not really to change people's hearts, although that would be a wonderful and welcome blessing if it happened. But more than anything, I hope readers walk away empathizing with my characters, whether they're a fallen hero or a redeemed villain, whether they're unborn or post-abortive parents. I really hope um, readers learn to embrace compassion for those they may not agree with, because we're all human, we make mistakes, we hurt others, but more often than not, we make those mistakes because we're ignorant or we've been lied to or we're simply scared. And I also hope that if readers may have made a decision they regret, they find healing and hope with my work. I hope that they feel loved and forgiven because they are. And the last reason I explore pro-life themes in my stories is to humanize the victims of violence and show how the effects of violence don't end with the victims, but affect all of us in some way. That's so very true. Now, how did you come to hold your pro-life beliefs? Well, I don't think there was one big moment Um, I'd say my pro-life beliefs gradually solidified after I um, left university and grew in my Catholic faith. Um, Before that, I was pretty lukewarm and almost unaware when it came to the pro-life movement and actually held some beliefs that were um, counter to the consistent life ethic. Um, But hearing Catholic authors talk on pro-life issues, especially on abortion, opened my eyes to the magnitude of the effects of violence and how it hurts our human family. So I started actively searching for more information, first on abortion, and I'm actually now thinking about it. If there was one specific moment that really flipped the switch for me, it was reading a book called Subverted by, I think it's pronounced Sue Ellen Browder. Yeah. Um, That book really unraveled so many lies I'd heard about abortion, and it was very shocking and kind of infuriating. And since then, I just haven't stopped learning about the consistent life ethic from a number of pro-life organizations and reading and um, hearing survivors' stories like, um, or like, stories from post-abortive parents or innocent people who were on death row and a number of survivors of all kinds of violence. And I really thank God that he opened my eyes to this reality we're living in because, as I said, I was very much in the dark before and during college. I really didn't grow up hearing either side of the debate, and I was just very unaware of the suffering those around me were experiencing. So... The more I learned about our inherent human human dignity from conception to natural death, the stronger my conviction became that we truly deserve, um, we all truly deserve a chance at life free from violence at all stages of our lives, regardless of who we are and what we've done, because we're all God's beloved children. So I'm a little late to the party, but I'm now 
passionate advocate for the right to life for all humans. That's so wonderful to hear. Now, what has been the reaction of readers to your work? Um, I'm really blessed that those who have read my pro-life stories have enjoyed them and been very supportive and encouraging, even the few that may not share similar beliefs. Some readers have said my stories are beautiful, powerful, um, compassionate, which I'm super thankful for, and some really enjoy that I've written about pro-life issues through a fantasy lens. They find the setting is a cool backdrop that does not take away from the message but makes them see it in a different light. And um, sometimes the readers get the themes early and some don't see it until the very end, so they're surprised but still overall uh, like the story. So I've been really blessed that it's been a positive experience. Why do you think it is important to focus on pro-life themes in creative endeavors? Mm, I think it's important because art is a very valuable medium for sharing ideas. Art can convey a message in a peaceful way, and so long as it's not preachy or too forward, people are really perceptive to it. Um, art may not change people's beliefs or viewpoints, but it really gets them thinking. It challenges them without being um, combative. And art is also very engaging, whether it's a story, music, film, or illustration, among other mediums. It shows the audiences a message or makes them experience the message firsthand and more intimately um, instead of simply telling them. And that's very powerful. Um, I know like, a lot of my viewpoints have changed because, you know, I saw movies or read stories about, um, you know, certain, certain things. So our creative works can really be our voices or megaphones. So if you have a talent or skill in creating art and you're passionate about being pro-life, um, you know, why not combine the two, you know? And you never know who you'll impact and help or encourage with your message and work. Which of your written works is your favorite and why? Uh, it would definitely be my first pro-life short story, She Has No Voice. I wrote that one for a contest run by the pro-life organization Rehumanize International, and it's an abortion story set in a fantasy world, and it tells the story of a girl without a voice wishing desperately to be heard. Um, it was nothing like what I had written before or ever thought I'd write, and it was truly the work of the Holy Spirit. I just still, to this day, don't know how that story came out of me, of all people. Um, I'm so, so incredibly grateful that God chose me to write that story with Him. It's very strange and a little on the darker side, but it's still beautiful and hopeful, which is exactly what I'd envisioned. Um, I think it really highlights that compassion that's so important for me to come across in my work, and I really love that story. It's and I sometimes still consider it my magnum opus. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be able to work on something so, like, enthralling and important. That's so beautiful. How can we go about rebuilding a culture of life with the help of creative works? Yeah, so I think it may help to view our art as an invitation as I said before, our creative works may not change people's hearts, but it can certainly move them. Um, we can show compassion, encouragement, and hope 
through our work and invite others to do the same. They're free to accept or decline, but our goal is to share the truth and let our art speak that truth for itself without any forcing. And most people are pretty, um, actually really open to new ideas without much prodding, especially when they're presented through creative mediums. And we can also, well, we also have to be careful not to sugarcoat our message. It's important to balance the reality of our broken world and the effects of violence with forgiveness and redemption, not choose one or the other. Um, Both messages are very much intertwined. And um, also, if possible, make it a group activity. For example, I know Rehumanize International has virtual paint nights where all are welcome to create art together, I think based on a theme. But that's another way art can be an invitation. And I think because creative professions can sometimes be solitary occupations, getting a community together will also lessen that isolation and help give each other strength. And if you do create art that highlights your pro-life message, don't keep it to yourself, please share it. Um, The world really needs your art, you know, whatever medium. uh, Find pro-life organizations or spaces that welcome pro-life views to showcase your work, Um, not only so you can share your gift, but also uh, to get feedback and improve it. And if you share your platform, um, if you share it, like your artwork on platforms that have more divided audiences, don't be discouraged by uh, any uh, backlash. Um, this is how you're meant to advocate, so please don't stop. Just have faith that your work will reach the right audience. You're listening to Lifelines Radio, produced by JMJ Radio. With us today is author Sitlaline Osio. What advice do you have for aspiring writers? Um, above all else, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to experiment with your writing and push your boundaries to discover what you like, don't like, what works, what doesn't. She Has No Voice was very much an experimental piece that I was scared to even try because I'd never um, heard of like a pro-life story in a fantasy world. But, you know, it worked out really great. It's one, you know, my favorite now. So, you know, don't be afraid to challenge yourself and get out of your comfort zone. Don't be afraid to reach out and connect with other writers and share your work with people you trust because community is very important for us to stay motivated and to improve. So, yeah, just don't be afraid to experiment, um, challenge yourself, connect, and just keep writing and reading. Read a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I imagine that being a part of groups such as the Catholic Writers Guild and, and their online conferences definitely help. Oh, yes, definitely. It's been a huge blessing to uh, find writer communities, especially those that share uh, similar beliefs. Where can people find your work? Well, my short story, She Has No Voice, is actually free to read right now on Rehumanize International's website. Just search the title, She Has No Voice, or my name, uh, Citlalin Osio, which is spelled C-I-T-L-A-L-I-N. O-S-S-I-O in their search box, and it'll pop up as a result. And once the 2022 Create Encounter is published at the end of April, uh, you can also read my second pro-life short story, When I Was Very Little. It's another fantasy pro-life story. It'll be on Rehumanized International's uh, website as well. 
And um, three of my other short stories have also been published in an anthology series. So if you're a fan of short story fiction from different genres, you can search uh, Legion of Dorks Presents in Amazon, and you'll find the anthologies titled Laundered Horizons and Misspelled. They're not pro-life-themed works, but they're still fun and cute stories. So, If people want to get in touch with you, what should they do? Well, I don't have a website yet, so in the meantime, you can contact me on Instagram at Ocio, where I talk about my writing and things I'm interested in and where I'll share when I finally get my website up, hopefully later <laughs> this year. <laughs> um, I've been stalling, but hopefully this year. But um, I'm always eager to connect with other writers, especially pro-life and fantasy writers. So please reach out. I would love to make more uh, writer friends who share my beliefs. So. And I do follow you on Instagram, and it, it's quite a pleasure to do so. You, you put out some amazing things. Thank you. <laughs> what kinds of projects do you hope to pursue in the future? Oh, there's so many. Um, but right now, my priority is working on uh, more short stories um, because they give me the freedom to experiment on a small scale. And I'm also a turtle flow writer. Um, it takes me forever to finish things. And short stories also give me more motivation because I get to finish them faster. And um, I hope to submit some to publications for consideration in their magazines and such. And down the line, I'd like to work on some novels and scripted series. And of course, like among all those works, I really want to uh, work on more pro-life stories, especially as I learn more about the effects of violence and the different issues the pro-life movement encompasses. And also, this is a recent um, like new dream of mine. I think it would be really fun to help edit or put together an anthology of um, fiction pro-life stories, especially those set in like fantasy, sci-fi, or speculative fiction genres. Um, if anyone listening knows of any existing collections like that, please let me know because I would love to read them. I would, too. I think that that's a, a wonderful idea. Now, does your faith come through in your writing? Oh, yes, most definitely, um, especially now that I've embraced the idea of being a Catholic writer. It's actually really funny. When I first started taking writing seriously, my sisters suggested I feature Catholicism in my stories, and I adamantly refused. I was like, no, I'm I'm a fantasy writer, not a a Catholic writer, um, but, you know, I fought it for a while, but now I'm very much in love with that idea, and so my faith certainly influences my stories. Uh, in some of them, it's at the front as a main theme, where characters are learning about their faith and what it means to follow God, and, um, you know, their lives change around, around that, and in other stories, it's present in the world in a more subtle way, like, the characters or the worldview are Catholic, but the faith is not really explored in depth. So maybe they go to Mass or they just, you know, talk about God, but it's not a big part of the story or their character growth. And there are also a few stories where Catholicism is not even referenced, but the themes I write about are very much based on and influenced by my faith. A lot of my pro-life um, work has been more in that vein. So... How my faith comes across in my stories varies, but it's definitely there in some form. 
in most, if, if not all. What challenges do you face as a writer? So I think um, for me personally, the biggest challenges I faced um, were that uh, it was very solitary. Uh, at first, writing is uh, really difficult. There are days where nothing sounds good and you think your work is kind of trash and you have a lot of doubts and you, you maybe think of quitting. And if you don't have people cheering you on and encouraging you, it can be discouraging. And, um, and yes, yeah, so sometimes I wanted to quit, but, uh, and thankfully I didn't, but, um, also no one can write a story on their own. We need feedback. And if no one is reading our work, improving our craft will be either impossible or very slow. Um, I did suffer with this the first few years because I really didn't have it, um, anyone but my siblings to read. And the, Second biggest challenge is um, that I struggled with was my lack of motivation. Um, so until we decide wholeheartedly to take writing serious and become consistent, whatever that looks like for each of us, it's really difficult to finish projects and make that transition from hobbyist to professional. The first few years, I I was one of those writers that was like, oh well, when the inspiration hits, I'll write. But you know. Real professional writers don't wait for inspiration. They write whenever they can to get their stories completed. So, And how did you overcome the challenges? When, when they rose, what did you do to overcome them? Well, um, as I said uh, earlier, finding writer communities was like the biggest gift uh, to overcoming uh, these challenges. Um, I, I was already blessed to have a supportive family and, like I said, siblings that read my stories. But there's something about connecting with uh, other writers that is very special. We understand each other when it comes to nerding out over story structure, world building, character creation, and all sorts of problems unique to writers. Um, there are whole like um, threads on social media about like you know writer problems and. So it's a lot of fun and encouraging when you get to share those experiences with people who really understand them. And so I highly recommend um, any writers out there going, uh, go on social media or Googling online or local writers groups. My favorites are <clears throat> Instagram, the Catholic Writers Guild, and Catholic Author. And if you're really brave, definitely reach out to local writers groups. I met people I consider mentors now by overcoming my shyness and emailing them, which really opened up so many doors. You know, I learned about the anthologies that ended up publishing my work, you know, through the, the people I met um, in, in my, where I live. And um, to overcome my lack of motivation, I built a writing routine as soon as possible. Like I said, I, I learned that professionals don't wait for inspiration. They, you know, just sit down and write. So, and a writing routine will look different for everyone. So, you know, we have to be realistic when we create ours. You know, I, I can't um, write every day right now, but, you know, if I just do my best, that'll be enough. And um, I try not to create, you know, a routine that will burn you out. And, of course, there are times where I fall out of my routine because either, you know, I get lazy or um, life gets busy. You know, I'm human, you know. But I 
I try really not to get stuck there. And I, you know, get back on in front of my computer um, and I keep writing because, you know, I, I really believe, like I said, that this is what God called me to do and that um, my, these stories need to be told. And the last practice that really helped me overcome my motivation is to pray before writing. It's been a huge game changer in making writing a more positive experience. I definitely still have my tough days and my doubts, but I'm really comforted now because I know that I'm not alone and that my work will end up where it's meant to when it's meant to. And even if that's just for me, like for me to learn um, my craft. So if you're a person of faith, I would definitely recommend adding prayer to your writing routine if it's not already part of it. Very good advice. And we have just a couple of minutes left. And I'm wondering, where do you get the ideas for your stories? Because it just fascinates me because I have never been one who has been able to write fiction because I just lack the imagination, I think, to do it. But where do you get your ideas? Oh, um, I definitely now attribute it to the Holy Spirit, um, for sure. Like, you know, like I said, giving me that gift and everything. But I really think anyone can write fiction. It just might be a little harder for some people. I just, I think, like I said, because I was just always consumed, like, taking in stories, I just learned to just see things like questioning, like, hmm, what is this person thinking? Or I wonder what this person did today. And like, what, you know, I was like, oh, I wonder what where they're going. So I just would imagine like little adventures here and there, or um, I think it's just a lot of questioning, like, you know, um, seeing things and just kind of putting a spin on them. So especially like for fantasy, maybe I'm just like, oh, well, let me try imagine like some weird monster. So I combine like, I don't know, um, a dog with a plant or something like, you know, you just, you just got to like question and twist things around so you can make, you know, whole new uh, characters and worlds. <laughs> and where do you see yourself in five years as a writer? Uh, I hope that in five years I'm more, I don't want to say like more established, but just like, like personally, I hope that I've really built that writing routine that makes me a professional that really like, um, sets me apart from um, like hobbyists. Like I, I still, I'm still learning to, to create that routine and um, get um, like very, very serious about writing. So I hope that I'm just, you know, writing stories all the time, you know, sending them out for consideration to publications. Like I don't mind getting rejected. I just really want to write and get my stories out there because like I said, they're, they're going to get where they need to when they need to. And, I mean, if possible, I would really love to have, like, a um, maybe not a published novel, but, like, really close, you know. And we're going to leave have... it there. Thank you so very much. And remember, there's always a reason to choose life. You've been listening to Lifelines Radio.